Hi, this is Andrew Lada. Welcome to another edition of Sadistically Speaking. This is episode 59, A Well-Hung Jury. About a decade or so ago, I received the dreaded call to jury duty card in my mailbox. You know, it's actually been scientifically established that the face you make when receiving a jury duty summons is the exact same face you make when you realize that you've stepped in dog shit. So I showed up to the courthouse on my assigned date early in the morning and seated myself in some small chair that must have been specifically designed to be uncomfortable and sat there along with about 50 other hapless souls from my community. The jury waiting room is like a scene from some dystopian sci-fi movie about the human spirit crushed by an uncaring bureaucracy. Honestly, I think the idea of these rooms actually comes from the novel 1984. Everyone in the room is soullessly staring at their phone or at the wall. Meanwhile, there are screens placed every 20 feet playing these obnoxious PSAs, extolling the virtues of fulfilling your patriotic duty by serving on a jury. I don't know who these videos were created for. We're already sitting in the room. We already realized that we were the suckers who weren't clever enough to send an excuse so that we could be exempted from this pain. We already know that we didn't have the balls to just ignore the summons. It just adds to the pain to be told that we should be feeling patriotic for sitting in a cold, lifeless room at 8 a.m. in the morning, waiting for some fat chick up front to call our names and tell us to line up and follow the leader like we're grade schoolers filing out to lunch. I can't imagine that anyone is really excited to be doing their patriotic duty. And if they are, I don't think they should be allowed to be on a jury and make important decisions. So, after being rounded up and marched off to different cold rooms three different times, uh, we finally make it into a courtroom three hours later. And here's where the voir dire happens. This is where each lawyer gets to veto particular jurors to craft the jury they want. And honestly, it was actually a little fun watching people answer the questions in a way that they thought would ensure a quick trip out and back into the real world. They were all inventing stories of trauma they had suffered by police or criminals or both to make some them seem excessively biased against one side or the other. I was pretty sure that I was going to be stricken as a juror because, after all, I was a professor at the university with a great deal of knowledge about human cognition and decision-making, and I just figured I was too smart and the lawyers wouldn't want me there seeing through their tactics and manipulations. Yep, too smart for jury duty, I thought. Please send me home in time for lunch. So I was picked uh, to be on the jury, of course, and in fact, was chosen as the jury foreman so that I actually had to pay attention to this shit. I lost the next two days of my life for a DUI trial. Uh, The defendant already had two DUI convictions and a third meant a mandatory four-month prison term. Man, fuck the defense for not striking me off this list. So during deliberations... I gave the rest of the jury a 45-minute lecture on the effects of alcohol on the vestibular balance system and why the roadside tests that the douchebag failed were accurate measures of the system being impaired. 
We then voted him guilty, and I got it in time for a dinner party that evening. It's easy to make fun of the idea of a jury of one's peers. <laughs> I mean, the defendant was no peer of mine, and the rest of the jury seemed like they were imported from a carny. I've often argued that we actually should use a professional, professional juror group to make these decisions. People who have been informed about the way the process works, who have proper decision-making skills. I mean, it would cut down on the time of trials because they, this group of people would already be informed about many of the aspects of the proceedings, which in real tri- trials need to be spelled out each time because you got a group of newbies you bring in for the trial. But I think the argument for a jury of peers is actually strengthened by the current trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. He's the 17-year-old who shot three people last year in Kenosha, Wisconsin during the riots, uh, protests, uh, demonstrations. Ooh, I looked it up. On Wikipedia, it's unrest. Unrest is what we call it, which I guess means the participants unresters. Anyway, so for some reason, I ended up watching substantial portions of the Rittenhouse trial. I have no idea why, but I did. Now, I was born and raised in Wisconsin. In fact, I drove through Kenosha, Wisconsin, the day after the protests started. That is, the night before the Rittenhouse shootings. I was driving up to visit my parents near Green Bay. What struck me about Rittenhouse in the trial was that I knew him. I mean, I didn't know him, but I grew up with kids like him. These are guys who think a fun weekend is shooting guns at gravel. They aren't really university material, but they have a sense of wanting to belong in some diffuse moral sense of duty. They join police and firemen training groups and the lifeguard at the local pool and drink beers with their buds while pissing their names in the snow. They're good guys, who like hunting, drinking, snowmobiles, the Green Bay Packers. In fact, that list probably describes a pretty decent winter Sunday for them. Now, I know uh, Rittenhouse was living in Antioch, Illinois, but I also know that there's no real distinction between northern Illinois and southern Wisconsin to anyone who lives there. It's It's not a border wall. So the blaring concern that he crossed state lines is meaningless. And I know all of this because... I'm a Wisconsin boy. So if I was on his jury, none of his pre-shooting behavior would strike me as particularly odd. He went into Kenosha with a bunch of his dude friends with their guns to protect somebody's property. Not something I would do, but that would not have been an odd decision for many of the guys I grew up with. So to get a fair trial, it's not a bad idea to have people around there who know something about your life and your context. The disconnect here is that this behavior does seem reckless and outlandish to the national media in New York and Washington and Los Angeles. They are not Rittenhouse's peers, but they're more than willing to judge him based on their values and their very different backgrounds. This is why all of them missed out on the Trump phenomenon. For instance, on CNN, Jeffrey Tubin. Jeffrey Tubin of CNN called Rittenhouse an idiot for going to Kenosha with a gun. What kind of an idiot would do that? Now, Jeffrey Tubin was born in New York City to parents who both were in the national news media and he went to Harvard for his education. 
I don't know that he has any idea what it's normal for a kid in Wisconsin to do. I'm pretty sure he's never even held a gun. Of course, it's even more hilarious that Jeffrey Tubin is a 60-year-old guy who was fired for masturbating with his camera on during a Zoom call. And that happened one month after the Rittenhouse shootings. And somehow, he lacks the se- any sense of self-awareness and calls someone else an idiot. But this wasn't the worst hypocrisy to me in the media coverage. Because there's another thing I know about the kids like Rittenhouse, the guys I grew up with. A lot of them go into the military. It gives an outlet for their sense of duty, their need to be part of a group, and they get training on things that are practical without going to college. So a lot of them go in there. But here I am watching CNN, and the anchor is admonishing Rittenhouse as a terrorist. And then, and I am not kidding, switches over in the next segment to their coverage for Veterans Day by showing current men in the military and praising them as heroes. Here are the real heroes. So why are they real heroes? Because they gather together, group of guys, they take guns across national borders to protect property that's not theirs, and they end up shooting people dead if necessary. Sorry, Kyle. If you only waited a couple of years, you could be getting a medal for all of this. By the way, the same kind of hypocrisy occurred on sports media. I was watching some sports commentator chastising Aaron Rodgers for lying to the press about his vaccine status, because apparently lying to the press is one of the seven deadly sins. And then he says, and I shit you not, for more perspective on what this means for the upcoming game, let's go to our football analyst, Michael Vick. Wait, Aaron Rodgers is the devil for lying to the press? But you pay Michael Vick to talk to you? If you don't remember, Vick is the piece of shit who ran a dog fighting group and would drown dogs who didn't perform well. Not allegedly, he was convicted for running the dog fighting ring. Yet I have this guy saying, hey everybody, Mike Vick, dog killer, great guy. As opposed to that unvaccinated piece of shit, Aaron Rodgers. And next, we'll talk to Jeffrey Tubin about fun ways to virtually interact with loved ones during the holidays. Please don't burn down Kenosha again. That would be idiotic. Pass the tequila. Out!